Amen. Good morning, everybody. You want to make a uh, seasoned preacher nervous, you still tell them preach in front of your pastor. <laughs> Amen. We are thankful to Pastor Steve, Pastor Tammy for their stewardship over this house. And I thank you, Pastor Steve, for this opportunity to share on this morning. Uh, most of you are aware we've been going through a series called Essentials. Essentials. And it's my privilege to close the series out this week. Uh, and we'll be talking about a very essential topic, which is the topic of forgiveness, which is vital to the Christian life. So vital. Jesus basically said, if you haven't learned this principle, if you don't know how to forgive, uh, you actually can't be forgiven yourself. It's tied to your destiny. So we want to unpack that this morning. So if you would stand with me for the reading of the Word of God, I want to draw your attention to the Gospel of Luke chapter 23, verse 34. And we're only going to read the A portion of the verse. Those of you who've never heard us mention A or B portions of a verse, it just means you're dividing the verse into two halves. So when we say 34A, it just means you won't read the whole verse. Amen. Amen. So there you will find these words recorded. Jesus said, Father, forgive them because they do not know what they are doing. Amen. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his holy and divine word. I want to talk to you this morning about them, and you may be seated, them. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity to share your word, your truth. Holy Spirit, I invite you into this place, into this unworthy vessel, and ask that you would use me, speak through me, and let your word come forth with power and clarity so that where the seed of your word is planted, it will be fruitful and multiply in our lives. We are believing you for the breaking of strongholds and the deliverance of your people. In the powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, we do pray. Amen. Amen. Let's, let's talk about them. Them. When we begin looking at what it means to forgive, if we are to call ourselves Christians, disciples of Christ, those who follow after his way, then I felt that the perfect example of how to forgive would be to show how Jesus demonstrated it in action. And there is no better example of forgiveness than this one simple sentence from Christ, Father, forgive them, them, because they do not know what they are doing. These words are said as Jesus has just been nailed to an old rugged cross, hoisted into the air, and is slowly dying 
Crucifixion was basically one of the most horrific ways to die. It, it was brutal by design. The whole reason the Romans invented crucifixion was to make you so afraid to cross them. Uh, it, it demanded obedience from all their subjects because when the Roman soldiers would go into a territory and take it over and all those who still rebelled against the Roman government and fought against them, they would hang them uh, on these crucifixes and basically line the highways into town with the bodies. And unlike the case of Jesus who passed rather quickly, and I'll explain why in a moment, uh, crucifixion was a long and brutal process. It wasn't just a quick, sudden death. It wasn't a simple execution. Um, when they drove the nails through the base of the hand, severing your nerve endings and the rivet into your feet and hung you on that cross, the death of crucifixion was actually suffocation as gravity would just take the weight of your body and as you would sink down on that cross, your lungs would begin to fill with fluid. It would become difficult to breathe and in order to catch your breath, you would have to push down on the very nails that had you on that cross to try to hoist yourself up enough to breathe. And no matter how painful it was and how agonizing it was, you would just by instinct force yourself to pull and push upon it by instinct to catch that next breath till you couldn't bear the weight and the pain anymore and you would droop back down and begin the process all over again. Sometimes, for some people, it would take days, dehydration and starvation before they finally suffocated. It is in that moment, feeling that pain and that pressure, that Jesus doesn't call down fire from heaven, doesn't obliterate his enemies in opposition, does not use any of the power at his command to free himself, but says, Father, forgive them. And it's interesting because the word for forgive is a word that means to release something or let it go. So if you're translating what this text says, the implication uh, uh, is Jesus says on the cross, Daddy, I know they're murdering me, but let it go because they don't know. They don't see the real source of their actions. He says, Daddy, let it go because they're ignorant of what they are actually doing. No matter what their motivation was, what their thought was, he's saying they don't actually understand. 
They don't know who you are. And because they don't know who you are, they could not get a revelation of who I am. And because they don't understand who I am, they committed these atrocities against me. But Father, let it go. Because these are the very people I came to die for and to save. And if Jesus in that moment, in that pain, could pray to forgive the people who were murdering him, I just want you this morning to reflect on and think about who is the them in your life. And have you been able to let it go? So the first set of people I want to talk about I want to ask you today, if you're still harboring some anger and some resentment and some bitterness toward another human being and you have not been able to forgive, let's identify the them in your life and let's see if we can get free today. So the first set of people I want to ask you about, is your them those who have physically abused you? physically hurt you? Is your them those who physically hurt you? Because I'm looking at the scenario and the scene around the cross, and Jesus definitely, when he says, Father, forgive them, has some them in that crowd that put their hands on him. He could easily be talking about the Sanhedrin council who dragged him away from his disciples, armed, mocked him, beat him, punched him, spit on him, carried him into an illegal trial and railroaded him to his death. Could easily be talking about them. He could easily be talking about the Roman soldiers who just for sport decided they would beat on him, punch him, kick him, throw a robe on him, put a crown of thorns on his head and ridicule him. He could easily be talking about the person who was in charge of his scourging, which is when they take the cat of nine tails, a whip filled with pieces of bone and glass inside of it so that when they hit you with it, it would latch into the flesh in your back and rip your flesh apart. He could easily be talking about them. He could be talking about Pilate, who knew he was innocent and could have just put his foot down and said, no, there's no basis for him to die, let him go, but to keep the crowd happy and to maintain his ending still allowed him to be physically abused. Jesus had people who physically hurt him, and he said, Father, let it go. And I'm wondering if you can identify today because you've had people who have hurt you in your life. Some of you are still angry at the person who put their hands on you. You are still bitter at the person who abused you. You're still wishing harm against the person who molested you. 
You're still angry at the drunk driver who caused the accident and stole so much from you. You're harboring anger toward the people who have done you harm. How did Jesus find it within himself to forgive those who physically hurt him? And I realize there's this lesson in the thing that he taught us when he said, if someone strikes you in the face, offer them the other side. Turn the other cheek. Now, I don't know about you, but where I come from and how I grew up, <laughs> when we practiced turning the other cheek, it was so after we got hit, we could come <laughs> back around. And this principle becomes a, a, a sticking point and a stumbling block for so many people, especially men, because we're raised thinking we're not supposed to be weak. We're not supposed to let anybody take advantage of us. We're supposed to stand up for ourselves and fight. And I want you to understand something today. Turning the other cheek is not a principle of weakness. It's actually the ultimate show of strength. Because any animal in the wild can bite back and lash out. All you're saying is, if I got to put mine up and I got to take you out because of what you did for me, you're no different than any other brute animal in the forest. You are lowering yourself to just being an animal. That is not real strength. How you prove your humanity and your intellect is when you have the ability to operate in self-control, deny your instinct for revenge, and say, rather than striking you back, I'm going to choose a different path because I don't have to lower myself to you. That takes real strength. That, that, that's a real man who's able to release it when they've been violated. How, how do you get to that point? There has to be a turning point where you begin to understand that the action done against you is not really the source of the problem. I need you to understand this today. The person who hurt you didn't know what they were doing. So, no, they, they did it intentionally. They put their hands on me. Yeah. But at the same time, they didn't know. They didn't know the repercussion. They didn't know the hurt. They didn't know the harm. All they knew was their instinct. They didn't go to the bar that night intending to get so blinded drunk that they were going to cause that accident. But in their ignorance, they thought they could handle another shot and another drink and another one, and they'd be okay to drive. It was ignorance. not understanding their sinful nature and 
how to control the lusts of their flesh. Yes, they hurt you, they abused you, they harmed you, but it was out of ignorance because they did not know they could live above their desire. They did not know lust was conquerable if you operate in the spirit of God and give him control. They did not know there was a better way because they did not know God. And because they could not see God, they did not know Jesus. And all of their actions were done because they did not know him. And you have to remember at one point in time, you did not know him. So why are you hating for some, someone for doing something that was natural to their sinful nature? They all had an excuse. Whether it was the Sanhedrin council who didn't like Jesus' popularity and stealing their shine. But there were others of them who actually believed in him. But they were afraid because they said these miracles and these signs and wonders are going to make these people crown this man king of the Jews. And once they start calling him king, Caesar is going to come with all of his troops and wipe us out. And it's better for one man to die than the whole nation to be obliterated. And so they conspired to kill him out of self-preservation. This is the worst thing is that half the people who hurt you and you're like, and they never apologize. And they ne That's because they're still justifying it because they're ignorant. And so for those who physically hurt you, you can't even wait for them to apologize because they don't know. They can't even see that they were wrong. And you have got to come to terms with them being what they are. And in spite of them hurting you, say, Father, let it go. But some of you, it's not just those who physically hurt or put their hands on you. For some of you, it's a little more personal and a little more emotional. So I want to ask you today, is your them those who betrayed you? Is your them those who betrayed you? Because it wasn't just the people who crucified him that hurt Jesus going to the cross. There were some other folks who were way complicit by their absence. Judas couldn't keep his eyes off how much money was on the table. And I don't know what was in his head. Maybe he thought Jesus has slipped through their hands so many times. I'll lead them to him, and he'll just ditch them again, and I'll get paid, and he'll be good, and we'll just keep doing it. Like he thought he had a whole Ponzi scheme going on. I'll sell him out. He'll get away. I'll cash in, and we'll do it again next week. Peter who just moments before was like, even to the death, I'm 
I'm your man. I got your back. Doesn't matter who comes for you. I am with you to the end. Jesus said, Peter, I don't even know if you're going to make it to sunrise. <laughs> we in the garden. I'm like, hey, you can't even stay awake to pray with me through this thing. And when he told him, Peter, you can't fight this battle the way you fought all your other battles. You can't pull out a sword and win this way. This is not how we advance the kingdom of God. You can't fight it the way you want to fight it. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are spiritual and mighty for the tearing down of strongholds. Peter, you can't fight the way you used to fight. And when Peter realized, even after all his time being with Jesus, he wasn't equipped for the fight, he ran. And then when they asked him, ain't you his boy? He started cussing. I don't know him. What about the rest of the 12? That's two. We got 10 more. Out of that 10, only one was still there at the crucifixion. I got nine people who was supposed to be with Jesus, ride or die. This is my crew that I've given power, and they are nowhere to be found. In my moment of need, while the crowd is yelling, crucify me, where's my cheering section saying the opposite? Not even just my closest ones. Where's everybody who was throwing the palm branches down earlier in the week saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, the King of David. Now I got this other crowd saying, kill me, and all them folk can't be found. And some of you are still hurt because you know you've been betrayed by people in your life who said they would be with you until you called and said, I need you now. I got your back, man. Whatever you need. I'm hurting right now. Can you? Well, I want to help, but, you know, I got my own thing going, and then oh. we love to overpromise and underdeliver when it comes to our relationships. And some of you are still hurting because the people you were counting on were not there for you when you needed them. You're more mad at them than the one who actually hurt you because you're still going, why didn't you protect me? Why'd you let them in the house? Why didn't you know they did it to me? Why weren't you there when I called? And I just need you to understand this as well, because human beings all have a fight or flight instinct and a sense of self-preservation. And when faced in a situation that is above what we can handle, whether it's out of physical fear of the challenge or out of emotional fear that we cannot manage it, the first natural instinct of a human being is to run from the conflict. 
which is why no matter how much they said they liked or loved you, when the boss came and you were accused and you knew it wasn't true, your coworkers all got silent and like found something else to do and walked off to the copy machine and just left you out there. I would have had your back. That's what they're telling you in the parking lot afterward. But, <laughs> but you know, I got kids and I couldn't risk, you know. I didn't want it to be both of us. Because <laughs> everybody tell you a good story of how they would have had you in the parking lot. It's like, but I saw you run to the break room. You've all had somebody who you were counting on that let you down. And that's hard to forgive. But Jesus says, Father, forgive them. Because they didn't know what they were doing. It was their instinct and their nature that drove them to it. And I hate to put the weight back on us for this, but I need to tell you this and put it in your hearing. It's not their fault for abandoning you. It's your fault for ever relying on them in the first place. Because no human being is strong enough to stick with you through everything because eventually they will all look after their own self-interest and go, I have to protect mine. They were never supposed to be your God. And as long as they were a crutch and you were relying on them to be there, you were setting yourself up for failure because man will always let you down. There is only one that sticks even closer than a brother. Only one who will never leave you nor forsake you. Only one who will never abandon you no matter what the situation. There is only one that you need to hope in, trust in, and rely on on all times. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest friend, but wholly lean on Jesus' name, on Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. You should have never put your hope and your trust in them to begin with, so let it go. You still mad at them, won't call them, won't answer their calls because of what they did 25 years ago. Let, let it go. Move on. I know it hurt, but they're human. And if you would put the mirror up to yourself, <laughs> there's some phone calls that you looked at that phone and you put it back down and you didn't answer either. There's some people who was like, hey, you got my back. And you was like, oh, yeah, except you had it way back. <laughs> hey, man, you know some of y'all get, you tell people you rocking with them and, and you, you on their side and you got their Michael Jackson moves where you, you look like you're going forward with them and you just <laughs> move on, right? <laughs> 
we guilty of the same thing that we're mad about. So we have to release it. But there's one more area of forgiveness that is so difficult, and this is probably the hardest one to deal with. Even more so than the folks who physically hurt you, even more so than the ones who have betrayed you, there's another them that is hard to reconcile and hard to manage and hard to move through. So I want to ask you about this last group. Is your them you? Is your them you? When Jesus was on that cross saying, Father, forgive them, was it just those who were there at the moment? Those who heard him and put him on the cross? Those who betrayed him and abandoned him to die? Or was it all of them? Was he talking about you? Has the issue been you all along? Because the Bible tells me that Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. He was the offering and the sacrifice for the sin of mankind. And what was happening on that cross is that he was bearing the weight of all sin, not just for those who were there in that moment, but all sin. Every sinner that had come before him, every sinner that was there at that moment, and every sinner that would come after, them was all of them. And if it's all of them, when he bore the weight of the sin of the world, why did he die so quick? Why did he suffocate so fast? Because it wasn't just his own weight pressing upon him on that cross. But he had your weight on him too. That cross was meant for you. That judgment was meant for you. And every time you've turned your back on God, denounced God, denied God, said no to God, gone back to your sin, gone back to your old way, gone back to your addiction, gone back, looked back, turned back, still did what you knew you should not be doing. But when you would do good, evil was always present and you're still making mistakes to this day, even though you love him, you add to the weight of that cross. The things you've done and the things you will do are still adding to his suffering 2,000 years ago on Calvary. Because he was bearing it before you even committed it. And in the eyes that look into the mirror and see the reality of my own sinful nature and my own self, how could I ever be worthy of that sacrifice with what I've done? How could I ever be worthy of that life, that innocent life, after all I've done, after all the people I've hurt, after all the people I've betrayed? How can I? Be them. 
forgiven. I don't deserve it. I don't deserve it. And some of you are still wallowing in the guilt and in the shame of what you've done. And you have not been able to allow yourself to be forgiven, let alone forgive someone else. But Jesus says, Father, even though they're murdering me, let it go. Because he knows you didn't know what you were doing. And to be honest, he knows you still don't know what you're doing. <laughs> but he loves you in spite of it. And you have to be open to receiving that love. Luke 7 tells the story of a woman who was a sinner who comes to Jesus, begins weeping at his feet. She begins washing his feet with her tears drying his feet with her hair, and she takes out her prized possession, a jar, an alabaster box of perfume, and anoints his feet, lavishing all her love on him. And everybody else may look at you and say, why is that sinner think they should be here touching Jesus? Jesus, don't you know who they are? Don't you know what they've done? If you're a prophet, you should know who's putting their hands on you, Jesus. And Jesus says, yes, oh, hypocritical Pharisee who think you have it all together. When I came in, you didn't even give me water to wash my feet, let alone to it with your tears. You didn't give me a towel, let alone get on the floor and use your hair. You didn't anoint my head with oil, and yet she's anointed my feet. Because for the one who's forgiven much, the same loves much. And the way you're going to learn how to love all those who have harmed you and be able to let it go is when you realize how much you've been forgiven for and you're able to find yourself still able to touch and to cling to the master and to the savior and know that he loves you in spite of it all and he still wants you. No matter how dirty you felt, no matter how wretched you've been, no matter how bad you hurt him, how much damage you cause. It doesn't matter if you were called adulterer. It doesn't matter if you were called murderer. It doesn't matter if you were the worst of society or if you've been hiding in your hypocrisy looking holy in the best when you know you're still a porn addict, when you know you're still cheating people, when you know you're still lying on your taxes, when you know no matter how good you try to dress it up, you were still a sinner in need of a savior. And if you, as dirty as you are, can come to the feet of Jesus and pour out your tears. There is forgiveness for you and a place for you at the foot of that cross where he says, Father, forgive them. And whatever you've got today, 
Jesus wants you to bring it and let it go. So I want to do this today. I want to invite you to take a step. There's nothing especially holy about the front of the church. We don't bathe this area in oil and it's like more holy than where you're sitting. But it's a sign of surrender to God. If you've still been harboring hatred and bitterness in your heart for someone else, I want you to come. And remembering how much he's forgiven you for to release that sin against you and offer it to God and let it go. Or secondly, you're here and you have not received Christ's forgiveness and you have not come and humbled yourself before him and say, I repent, I admit I'm broken. I admit I'm undone, and I need you, Jesus, to turn my life around and to save my soul. If you're here and that describes you today, come and join me and let's pray so we can be released of that because who the Son sets free is free indeed. There's freedom in the presence of Jesus today. Bring your hurt. Bring your shame. Bring the name of your abuser. Bring the name of your betrayer. Bring your sin. Every guilt and stain. And just like that woman, we're going to leave it at the feet of Jesus. Because when he saw her tears And he saw her finally humble herself enough to say, I can't do it on my own. I need you, God. He said to her, daughter, your sins are forgiven. Whatever you have, whatever you've done, son, you've been forgiven much, love much, and forgive those who've hurt you. Follow my example and pray, Father, forgive them because they did not know what they were doing, because they did not know you. And I want you to go one better and pray, God, Save them, heal them, give them a chance to see you and get in a moment like this. Because the best thing that could happen for the ones who hurt me is not vengeance, 
but them to come and find themselves at the feet of a Savior who can change them like you changed me.